All right, the guy coming on this show today is an absolute superstar. A little bit different to usual as well. Usually I like to sit down with coaches and athletes and experts in the field of distance running, but sometimes it's just nice to sit down with lovers of the sport and have a good chat. This guy's more than just a lover of the sport. If you are, actually, you could be anywhere in the world. If you're a lover of the sport of distance running, there's no doubt you would have seen this guy's unreal photos and videos floating around the internet. Um, he was the man behind whatever it takes, the Stewie McSwain short clip that was on YouTube about a year and a half ago. He did a sick little snippet of Jen Lacaz's um, uh, Lap of the Tan record. Man, his, his photos are just unreal. He's the kind of bloke that every time I look at his Instagram page, I go, this guy's on something. His name's Riley Wolf. He's known as the Wolverine on Instagram, and he's the man behind Tempo Journals. He's also the uh, the host of the Running, uh, Running Things podcast, which is a great podcast. Check out his YouTube channel, um, Tempo Journal Podcast, Running Things. Man, I've got a few things to learn. I've posted this episode on YouTube for those of you who like to watch it and just see what it looks like as we record it. Jump on over. It's new. It's a baby. But we're getting into it. It's starting to look pretty good. I really like this guy. We uh, we had a great chat about all things running. I asked him about what it was he was trying to capture through his running photos and footage, and uh, and we just talked. We just talked about what it was that you know drives him on the mission to what it is that he's doing, and and then we just get into some chats about Australian distance running, the world of distance running in general. So um, hey, the guy's an absolute gun. I'm I'm really pumped to to bring this one to you. As you might have heard last week, our brand new show sponsor. Precision Hydration. If you haven't heard of Precision Hydration, you might want to go back and check out the episode I did with Andy Blow, who's the main man at Precision Hydration, speaking about the importance of coming up with an effective hydration strategy for the sport that you're participating in. And the thing, it's weird in distance running. If, apart from running, man, you, you, there's one thing that you just can't be too careful to get right. That is your hydration. Obviously, it's like petrol in the car. He says it better than me, so let me not try and just destroy his message. Go back and listen to the episode if you're interested. Here's the thing. I'll kickstart this little uh, part by just telling you that every listener to the Relax Running Podcast gets a 15% off their first order at precisionhydration.com. All you got to do is enter the coupon code RELAXED15. That's RELAXED, all in capitals, 1-5 at the checkout. Let me tell you a quick bit about Precision Hydration. These guys are all about refining your hydration strategy. Uh, The best way to do this is to jump online and do their online sweat test completely free. I've linked it in the show notes, so just jump down there and click the link. You're going to get a personalized hydration plan and recommendations for different strength of electrolytes that match how you as an individual sweat. It's not just some generic bullcrap model where it's like drink more water or have this product. It'll help you out. It looks at you as an individual, the kind of sweater you are, the kind of runner you are, and uh, and it'll give you a really personalized hydration plan. Um, <clears throat> you can book in a free one-on-one video call with a sweat expert by clicking the link in the show notes or simply by emailing hello at precisionhydration.com. Um, these guys are these guys are unreal. I've been using their products now for the last few weeks. Ever since that podcast episode I did with Andy Blow, I thought, man, I've got to I got to get on top of this. I've linked a couple of cool blog articles in the show notes as well if you guys want to check it out. But hey, really encourage you to take that free sweat test and get in touch and uh, and have a chat to one of the hydration experts. Guys, that's enough out of me. Um, if you want more from us, uh, Relax Running Membership, you're going to get um, our bonus podcast. We've got 21 or 22 podcasts that just aren't available to the public. And we've got the second halves of so many of the conversations that we've uh, done on here as well. 
as well as our uh, growing number of training programs from the 5K to the marathon from beginner to advanced. We've got a 30-day um, Kickstarter program that's being developed right now. And man, this place is getting pretty good. We've got strength and mobility exercises going up every week. Follow all on sessions. Just check it out. It's a three-day trial for the annual one. Um, if you don't like it, get your money back. Relaxrunning.com slash join. Anyway, I'm getting out of your way. If you want to watch this one, go to YouTube, look at Relax Running. If you want to listen, well, I'll get out of your way. You're about to do it. Myself and Riley Wolf. Well, just to, I guess to kickstart it, like uh, I just mentioned a moment ago that when I, I, I snuck into your DMs on Instagram a couple of weeks ago and said, mate, I've got a podcast, would love to get you on. Um, are you keen to do it? Your response of, mate, what the hell are we going to talk about? Like, what do you want me on the show for? Made me laugh. Because uh, it's so funny. I think maybe maybe I've, I've fanboyed from a distance. But the, the way I found out about you, man, it was so awkward. So I um, like I started this this relaxed running thing about 12 months ago now. And uh, my knowledge was was running. I come from the running world and I was interested in talking to runners. And when it comes to social media, when it comes to the online space, I have no idea what I was doing. So I would start, like I would do an interview with someone and then I would just go to Google or go to their Instagram page and find a sick photo. And I would post that photo as the episode. And I was like, awesome, there we go. I've got their photo. I've posted the episode. Anyway, so I was doing that honestly for about 10 months. And then um, about two months ago, I interviewed a bloke called Ryan Mannix, who's a yoga instructor and uh, and a former runner. Oh, he still runs a bit. And uh, it was a sick photo, and I posted it, and, and I got an email from a yoga studio saying, hey, can you please not use our material without permission? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, it's on his Instagram page or whatever. I didn't say any of this. I messaged him. He's like, oh, sorry, bro. Yeah, they can be a bit painful with this kind of stuff. Here, I'll send you some images. And I was like, crap. Like, I've been using people's photos. For, <laughs> I wonder how many people are just disgusted at me. Anyway, so I went and had a look through all the photos that I'd been uh, stealing off everyone's Instagram. And everyone had tagged you. And I was like, oh, mate, this guy's going to want to kill me. Because <laughs> I'd zoomed into some. I'd, I'd cropped some. And then the last month, I realized that's just a no-go zone. So I think I messaged you going, bro. I, I don't know if you remember. I messaged you going, Dude, I'm so sorry. I think I've stolen all your work the last 12 months. Please don't hate me. <laughs> and, and then uh, that was pretty much my intro to you. So I just have to ask off the bat, like, did you want to kill me at any stage? You don't, you don't look like a really angry man, but I'd love to know the truth. <laughs> nah, it's a, it's a, it, it is a funny topic. Like, firstly, I'm, I'm completely fine with that stuff. Um, some people get really touchy about it, and I, I, I see why, and I, I agree in, in a lot of respects, but my kind of my approach to it is like, look, if you were if you were banking a couple of million a year off this, then I would say to you, hey man, you should be paying for for the content, right? But um, I think when I look at someone and I see that they're actually trying to do good things for the sport and they're trying to, you know, give athletes, whether it's professionals or amateurs, give them a platform and give them some kind of airtime and some spotlight, like you're doing a great service for the sport. I, I can't be mad at that. You know, that's what I'm trying to do as well. We're all just trying to lift the sport and lift the profile. So, um, you know, the one thing, like, the one thing I get funny about is, like, obviously if brands use myself without permission, that's, that's like, that's not really cool. Um, 
or if people just like butcher my work, you know, like it's, um, I don't know. I don't know what the comparison would be like in a different space, but like, yeah, if someone like when I, when I put a photo into the world or like when I finish editing a photo, I've spent a lot of time to make it look that way. And like, whether you kind of like it or not, that's my creative, you know, like you wouldn't go to an art gallery with your own paintbrush and like paint over someone's stuff because you thought you could make it better, you know? And that's like when someone adds a filter to your work or they crop it in or they do something, it's like, no, that's not the photo I took. That's not how I want this represented. Um, but no, nah, generally, like, and especially in your case, no, I think you reached out and you were pretty good about it. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, man. Like, I was so yeah. nervous messaging you. I was like, oh, I don't want to send this message because I feel so bad <laughs> and it's going to be really awkward. And mate, I've got um, one of my mates runs a runs an online platform called True Tribe, and he's he's got a like a lot of he's in the motorbike scene, like anything with wheels, really. And he's got so many good photos, and, and he's like, mate, it's so frustrating the amount of people that are just do exactly what you sort of said just just uh, you know touch it up with your own paintbrush or um just steal yeah. the photo or make it grainy and zoom it in and uh, so pretty much i should know better so it's been like a it's been like a massive learning curve so I was, when i messaged you and you said you'd come on the podcast as well i was like oh my gosh thank god i feel like um i feel like this is this is like my confession where i get to come to you and just get my forgiveness <laughs> but bro it's uh it's interesting man like the reason i did want to get you on is because you mentioned about lifting up the sport and um Obviously, you're pretty heavily involved in in the sport, like from a photographer's point of view. And I saw, mate, the other day that you'd, you'd clocked up 100 days of straight running, averaging 15Ks, which was pretty impressive. So you're a bit of a runner yourself. But what I was what I was keen to, to chat to you about was, mate, the, um, the vibe that I get when people mention the name Wolverine is that you are a bit of an ambassador for the sport. It's a... It seems like it comes across in your work that obviously, you know, you're trying to get your work out there and you're doing a great job, but... Um, there seems to be a foundation of, all right, like I'm trying to give this promotion, which you just spoke about to the athletes who may or may not be getting a lot of it. Like where, where did that sort of, um, that passion come from? Is it a, like, obviously the, the art world's collided with the running world, which is a, I guess a unique, um, a unique little, what do you call it? Crash in the best possible way. But, uh, where does the, where does the vibe or the, the passion for the, the sport come from that you seem to plug through so much of your work? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, of you know, like, like you know, my story is not unique. Like, so many people like grew up, you know, with sport at all at all levels, and it's it's always remained like a really massive part of my life. And um, photography was something I've I've been doing forever as well. Not not around sport, but just other styles of photography. And then, you know, had the opportunity to to merge them you know, probably five, six, seven years ago in cycling and then and then more into running. Um, and, you know, like my kind of everything I do, whether it's um, my, my personal passions and projects around like a running club that I, that I started with a couple of mates or whether it's through photography or through work with Tempo, like everything I do is about trying to kind of spotlight other people or push other people into the spotlight and give them opportunity and like help them thrive. And, um, that's, you know, like the main reason I was like hesitant to come on, on your podcast and why I don't really go on podcasts or anything is like, I don't really want to talk about me. Like, and that's why on tempo, you know, um, and we can talk about this later, but very little of me comes through on tempo. Like I don't write newsletters from, me and talk about what I think about things and on the podcast you rarely hear me talk about 
my opinions or share my running or whatever. Like, it's not about me. I don't, I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about the real athletes and like showing off other people and, um, you know, giving other people opportunities either to write for tempo or to shoot for tempo or to be featured. And, you know, so it's, um, I get a lot of, I get a lot of satisfaction and enjoyment from like, yeah, just kind of pushing other people out there and giving them opportunities. And, um, hopefully like someone said something to me recently. Um, I was interviewing someone in the U S about, who a guy uh jeff merrill who guy who puts on a lot of track races in portland and he was like because we talked about you know our, our love for the sport and trying to grow the sport and he was like when you when you show running to somebody when you show a track meet to somebody you're not you're not trying to get them to fall in love with the idea of running 400 meters around an oval you're trying to get them to love the feeling the feeling of watching track you know the feeling the excitement of seeing them come around the bend or the start or whatever and that's kind of that's kind of what I feel I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get people to love like the feeling of running or of watching athletics or something like that, you know? So I don't know how well it's going, but um, it's, you know, there are worse things to be doing. Can't. Yeah. Bloody youth, man. That's really, that's really good. So it, I'm always interested to pick a bloke's brain like yourself on, you've sort of just touched on it a little bit, what you see the platform as being and what its role is and everything like that. But so what are the avenues you're, you're, you're taking? Because I've obviously seen a couple of your short films and I've seen a lot of your photography and um, I've looked at your website and read some of the articles and stuff. So it's a, is it essentially just like a, like, it's like a running journalism in a sense. I don't want to taint it with a boring name like journalism, but um, is that what you would call it? Like what did you start it out to be? Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, you know, Tempo is, um, yeah, you know, like a, like a digital publication, I guess. Um, you know, and it's like, it's, I guess it's part media, part, it's not, it's not a brand in the sense that like, you know, we release products and stuff like that because we don't, but um, it's a brand in the sense that we really look after it, you know, and it, um, I, I hope everything we do is like at a really high level and really kind of premium in feel. And I hope that when people read something on tempo or listen to a podcast or whatever that they feel that quality come through and they know that if we're putting our name to something or if we're covering something then it's done well and it's thoughtful and it's considered and you're like you know we've, we've spent a lot of time on it yeah it's funny man because it definitely does come across and i reckon i think so that that bloke that i mentioned to you before who, who runs that company true tribe he he i think it's maybe a creative thing or a lot of creative people's Thing, especially in the uh, the space that you're in, like one of my biggest struggles, I reckon, when it comes to actually putting together the content, is I get excited about something I have in my hands, and I'm like, I just want everyone to see it right now. Here, bang, there you go. Um, but I love the approach that you take, where you say, okay, it's something that we're we're going to try and be consider, like we're going to try and consider it, we're going to put some work into it, we're going to refine it. And um, is that a is that a struggle for you? Is that balance difficult, or have you trained yourself for so long just to know that the final product of actually tinkering with it and playing it and, and refining it's going to make it a lot better when you when you put it out there yeah it's it's hard to know when something's finished sometimes for sure like and because like you say like i can get halfway through something or i can start an edit and i can think wow this is i get i get so emotionally involved and i'm like this is amazing this has to this is done it's perfect it has to go out now and then you know you sleep on it and you think actually i could probably improve that or i could do this and so it it is really hard to know when something is ready and, and 
you, you do get really emotionally invested in your own work, right? But like the, the secret is like, for me, if it's, let's say it's photography, it's like when I'm out on a shoot, I, I have a good idea of which photos are, are good as soon as I take them. But when I get them into the computer and I start editing, I've got to forget all that and just treat them all the same, like treat them like I didn't take them, treat them like someone else took them that I don't know. And I'm just like going through a process because yeah, you get too emotional, you get too excited and um no one no one will no one will um this sounds really bad but no one will care as much about what you do as you do Mm. so i could think like this photo is like my life's work this is the greatest image ever taken and i could show it to someone else and they'd be like oh yeah that's nice Mm. (laughs) yeah so it's yeah you just got to take the time and and make sure you're like entirely happy with it i think Dude, it's funny you say that as well. And I always find it interesting. This is a theme that I've noticed a lot through, and I noticed it in my running career, and I noticed it in so many areas outside of running. But it's it's crazy how much your emotion does infiltrate all the work that you do, isn't it? It's, it's funny. I never really considered the fact that there'd be so many emotions attached to editing a photo and stuff like that. But I, I fully relate to what you're saying. Um, there's there's some podcasts that I'll put out where I'm like, mate, this one this one's going to just change lives. This one's going viral. This is going huge. And I put it out there. No one no one gives a shit. <laughs> and then, man, honestly, there's been some podcasts that I thought, oh, I'll just, like, this would be an interesting conversation. But in terms of um, listener interest, I'm not sure there's going to be a heap out there. And then I'll post it. And, 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 you know, from what you can take from stats, I don't know how much people listen to of the whole episode but from what the stats say alone you go hang on a second like i don't know as much as i thought i did like there's i, I could have sworn that that this bigger name would have gone viral and this sort of lesser known person no one would have really cared about but for whatever reason it's a it's a bit of a theme i would say it's a roll of the dice sometimes 50 percent of the big ones go big and 50 percent of the small ones go big and and the other way as well 50 percent of them go just just go nowhere which is which is really interesting but um what what I liked about your 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 particular podcast to to continue this theme of the emotion is I watched your your episodes the other day I, I had Donovan Brazier on, and um and I, I had a look at Brett Robinson's and as well is is that something that um like with the, the emotion that you talk about with your photography is that something that f- uh, sort of infiltrates your your podcast as well because you look at the final piece and I go ah. Oh, how easy, how easy was that? He's got a nice little intro. He's got a couple of different angles. He's got the full shot. He's got the small shot. He's got the split screen. He's got his nice little tempo banner thing running along the side. But it's easy. And then I go and try and adjust my YouTube videos. I go, hang on. How did this bloke do that, man? Because I've got no idea how to do any of these things. But, bro, do me a favor later. Um, have a look at my latest YouTube video and just notice the first four seconds. I saw your tempo thing where it's just like a, a nice little beat to introduce the episode. And I was like, surely I could do that. So I spent about seven hours trying to figure out how to bloody layer a beat over a cool image just to introduce the episode. And I felt so angry at you that you made it look so easy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's just that, I don't know. It's like that commitment to quality again, you know, like, and we, we are, we are in such a lucky era where literally anything you want to learn, you can go on YouTube and learn it in, you know, an hour, two hours. Like, um, I have, I have a bunch of friends or people who will reach out to me occasionally who want to learn photography. Right. Um, and I know for me, like, I know for me, there was a turning point in my photography, probably, be about five years ago now uh, my wife and I had gone away for like Christmas holidays or whatever and we were we were staying up near Mount Buller we had no internet so I had no connectivity to the world for a week and I had just bought this book on 
on editing, like some, some different editing techniques or whatever. And I read it like a textbook cover to cover, you know, 500 pages over the course of a week. And I was making notes everywhere. And like, and that spending that week alone, like reading through, yeah, what was ultimately like some kind of textbook changed my photography forever. Like I, I literally look at that as a turning point. And so people ask me now, they're like, Oh, you know, I'm getting into photography. What can you, you know, what advice? And I was, like I always give them that story, right? And then I think about it, and I think, why, why, why would they do that? Why wouldn't they just jump on YouTube and spend an hour looking at some video tutorials, and they'll probably be caught up to what I spent a week learning, you know? And like, we're lucky in that sense. Like nothing, nothing now should be, in terms of learning skills, nothing now should be too hard for anyone. Mm. You know, like we've got the resources. If you've got, um, you know, if you've got good internet access and, you know, you've got the patience to actually learn something and stay focused and stay committed, then, yeah, like, there's no reason anybody now should be looking at something. Because I, I sometimes have it too. Like, I'm a big basketball fan, so I'll look at, like, I don't really look at what other people in running are creating for inspiration. I'll look at, like, what are the guys that who shoot NBA? What are the, How are they creating things? Or, like, what text or like motion overlays that they're using and i'll look at that and i used to look at that stuff and be like oh man i could never do that i don't know how they're doing that i'll never get there and you know okay invest a couple of days invest a week in learning it and it's like yeah cool i can do that stuff now as well you know it's mm. not like nothing's too hard now basically is, is the um is the long story short yeah, it's such a good point, man. I think one of the things that, that I'm sure is so true in photography and the scene you're in is, as much as it's true in running, as much as it's true in, I guess, probably every other field, but it is. It's so easy to sit down on, on YouTube and get the information, but I guess when it comes to actually then taking your first couple of photos and realizing how rubbish they are and how you don't need, you don't really know how to edit it and you don't really know which angles or shadows or light to look for, and it's that process, I guess, of yeah, taking that knowledge that you've learned, applying it to your craft, and then just keep showing up and refining it and adjusting it and... Man, I'm in the midst of that right now because about three months ago, really random. I um, it wasn't random for me, but it's random for the people who know me. I uh, I started just learning how to day trade, and bro, there's there's so I don't know if you know much about it, but there's just so many r random things to know that I would have had no idea about. And and honestly, I reckon I've watched sixteen thousand YouTube videos, and for me, it's like that that information starts to fall into place when I actually get up in the morning and practice. And, uh, and realize what works and what doesn't. And, and speaking about keeping your emotions in check, it's a, it's a really interesting thing. And it's actually interesting. I'm not sure what it's like with you, like what kind of people are coming to you, but there's a lot of relatively new runners, I think, who listen to this podcast from what I can gauge. And, and one of the most common questions um, that, that people just shoot through to me on Instagram is, have you got any tips for a new runner? And um, essentially, like in, in, in its most boiled down form, it's sort of like, hey, just keep, just keep showing up. Like, don't do more than you can handle, and then just try and do that consistently. And then if you can do that for a year, you're going to be a lot better runner than what you are today. And if you can do it for five years, you're going to be a way better runner than what you were five years ago. And I spoke to Ray, I don't know, have you? do you know the name Ray Boyd? No. No, Ray Boyd, he's a, he's a West Australian marathon runner from like the 90s. I think he's run, he ran 213. Like he, was, he was a really solid runner. But I had, I had him on the podcast just this week, and, and he was saying the same thing. He's like, mate, people are, people are so good at looking at the person who's way ahead and going, I wish I was them. But when it comes to actually like putting in the work, no one wants to... I think Kevin Hart's got a good saying, everyone wants to be famous, but no one wants to do the work. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, sort of, it's so true, whether you want to be famous or just get better. It's a, it's a really interesting um, little situation to find yourself in, isn't it? Yeah, and, and I mean, like, that's the great thing that running teaches us, right? Like, um, just 
keep showing up application consistency you know like and even even in terms of if you if you're if you're training for something specific you know it's better to have five good sessions than one amazing session right because those five good sessions that consistency is going to help you build and build and build and that's probably like those lessons from from my own running is probably yeah like those are things that i take into whether it's photography or trying to make videos or you know trying to make podcasts like it's not going to happen for you overnight and Mm. the the first thing you produce won't be very good but you know like i i I actually remember the first run i went on as an adult when i sort of got into the sport and i was garbage you know and it's like but you know if you spend enough time on it and you don't get deterred and you kind of have some belief you you like as corny as it sounds you can do anything you want it's uh, yeah it's so true man i um I was watching a show on Stan last night about the comedy store in in LA, and uh, it was essentially all about the. So this store got started in like the seventies, and it became it became like the mecca for so many up and coming or wannabe comedians to go and just try their craft. If they could become a regular there, um, they were pretty much set. Like a lot of them would get a name for themselves or get a sitcom or get a radio show or whatever it was back in the eighties and nineties that they were looking for. And uh, but the stories that they they had about like their most powerful learning curves being when they bombed, like they'd get in, up in front of a room full of people and say what they thought were funny and there was just dead silence in the room. <laughs> they said like it was always nice to go and kill and see that you're progressing, but in terms of improvement, one of the best ways to improve was just to get humiliated in front of a room full of people and if you could have the courage to get back up again the next night, usually there was a couple of things to learn along the way. Yeah, I mean, and we, we all have that in, in, in the things we're all pursuing, right? Like everyone's had a bad race everyone's had a, either a dnf or just a race that went terribly for them um i i certainly have and like on a on a work perspective like i've had shoots that have been absolute disasters where either i i didn't plan it out i didn't do the preparation that i should have or i just wasn't thinking or i got caught up in the moment and i like neglected some basics or whatever and those things stick with you and you know like you don't generally hopefully if you're smart enough you don't make the same mistake twice yeah yeah it's so true man did you say you got involved in running as an adult yeah i um like normal normal um you know like teenage boy things like i've I've played like footy and basketball and and stuff like that and then um finished school and just you know life gets in the way and you you know you do other things and then didn't really do much until I was, I don't know, like 22, 23 maybe, which is like, you know, over a decade ago now. Um, and a mate like wanted me to, wanted me to do like a fun run with him or something. It was, uh, maybe it was like one of the early run for the kids. And it was actually quite funny. So he's like, you know, we're going to do this run. It's 15 Ks. I was like, man, that's, that's pretty far. I don't know about you. <laughs> and, uh, so, so my first run, I, um, I was like, all right, well, I don't know. How hard is going to be? Like, I run up and down a basketball court a couple of times a week. I was like, let's let's see. I'm going to go, I'm just going to run for as long as I can until I have to stop and start walking. And that's my starting point. And I ran I ran 4Ks and I was like, <laughs> I'm pretty good here. This is all right. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's funny, like we built up over like 12 weeks or whatever. And um, I remember our long runs, our Sunday long runs were, were like 10Ks, but we drove the course first and put, I think we put like little drink bottles every two Ks or something. You know, we, this is like adults in our like early 20s doing this thinking we're like, you know, Deborah Celeste. Um, 
so yeah, that was kind of like my introduction to it. And um, yeah, kind of stuck stuck with it ever since. And I had I had a couple of years away from it where I was just getting just getting like stress reaction after stress reaction. Mm got into cycling because obviously it's a lot easier on your on your body and then I think I, I just have this addiction to exercise right like so running was great you know at the time as a as a very basic runner you know maybe I could run I don't know let's say four hours a week and that was cool but but when I got into cycling I was like hang on I can cycle for 10 hours a week 10 hours is way better than four hours of running I'm doing this so got into cycling real heavy for like four or five years. Um, and then I still was running like a little bit, not massively, but a little bit. And then just kind of slowly, you know, the time commitment of cycling is ridiculous. Um, had a couple of kind of nasty crashes and just kind of wanted some balance back in my life. So kind of got back into running. Yeah, it's so funny, man, because I love exercise as well. But the reason I don't take up cycling, cycling is for the exact reason that you took it up. It's like, mate, there's no way I'm going for a 10-hour ride when I can do three hours of running in a week and just feel feel fantastic. And also, I actually, you can't see it here, but if I if I uh, tilted this camera just outside the window, I've got this old-school vintage bike, which is, uh, I say it's vintage. It's not vintage. Vintage has an element of cool to it. It's just old-school. It was in my uncle's shed for about 20 years. And um, uh, I've... I've sort of been riding. That. I don't know if you can see it coming through there oh, yeah. behind the towers, but yeah. there's not much going on. But I went for a, uh, I went for a couple of rides just around Melbourne recently. We live in Hawthorne, and uh, dude, there was a, there was a. I don't. It wasn't quite a fork, but it was. It was sort of like two lanes separate, and cars just pretty naturally just veer to the left where I was. Anyway, a car touched me so softly as I was riding, and I lost balance and fell on the ground. But for me, it was like I may have well have been going down a mountain in the tour at 100k an hour i was so shaken up i was so scared i was like mate there's no way i'm ever getting back on this bike my worst injury as a as a runner was like i slightly rolled my ankle and i was like yeah that's enough for me that's why i got out of footy um but it is funny man so uh to 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 sort of go back to what you were saying about your addiction to to exercise one of the things i love that i saw on your um your insta story a couple of weeks ago was the fact you had busted out about a what was it what you probably above this now if you've continued the trend but you'd busted out 100 days of running straight with an average of like 15k was it or did i make that up yeah no that's right i actually i did take a rest day though so i've, I've reset um but yeah like and it wasn't i didn't yeah i think i got to i don't know 102 days or whatever and yeah averaging like 15 or 16k a day um it's not something i set out to do i'm not condoning it or saying people should do it like i i'm like i'm a massive believer in like take rest days if you need them all that stuff um but yeah like i just I've been feeling pretty good. I rather than take full rest days, I would just jog, you know, half an hour really easy on my on days where I was kind of feeling a little tired. Um, yeah, it was it was good. It's like, you know, running can be so many different things to us at different points at different times in our lives. You know, depending on what you're going through, you know, it, it's always kind of there for you. And um, it's been a pretty average year for a lot of us with with lockdown and like this is a really different year for me. I mean, um, last year and the year before, I think I averaged like eight trips overseas each year for work, you know? So I'm out shooting the London marathon or New York marathon or whatever. And, and so this year I'm like, I'm just like sitting at home in Richmond all year, which is, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm really enjoying it, but it's been a really crazy year for me. So to have, and, and like you know, also in the middle of like this one-hour lockdown or now two-hour restrictions, like 
uh, it's been uh, running has been amazing for me this year to just you know keep some some mental health and connect with some people occasionally when you can sort of like bump into someone else on the run like yeah it's been uh it's i don't know what like i'm so thankful that i haven't been injured this year i think it's you know obviously it's always partly good luck and good management um but yeah i don't know what i would have done this year if i hadn't have been able to go for a run every day yeah man so you and your wife still love each other <laughs> yeah yeah we're uh <laughs> we've actually like um it's been great to be as i say it's been great to be home like you know the, the, the big silver linings of this year for me are I get to spend more time with my wife, and I'm I'm a lot healthier than I've ever been because I'm not catching flights and on a terrible schedule and eating in hotels and eating out of Seven Elevens around the world. You know, like, <laughs> so my health is a lot better. I'm running better, and uh, yeah, I actually get to spend time and see my wife. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's a similar story at the Popplestone household. I always say, say to Jesse that, like, originally it was clear that you loved me because when we got married, you took the surname Popplestone. But now it's even more clear that you love me because you claim that after us being locked in a house, and we're in a one-bedroom unit, a uh, one-bedroom apartment, I go, you claim that you still love me after all this time. So, mate, we must have something so good going on. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's awesome, man. It's really interesting just to, to hear the ways that, that people's years have been shaped differently. So are you... um? A couple of times this week, you said you'd been pretty busy with work. I was wondering, are you working tempo? Is that your full-time gig? Or are you, um, okay, so when you say that you're going over to London and you're you're um, taking photos of the big marathons and stuff like that, that's that's your gig? Yeah, tempo's a, tempo's a real, um, you know, living and breathing business, you know, like, um, and I, like, don't get me wrong, like, I, <laughs> it, it's absolutely a real job and I don't know, I don't know what I, I would, I'd be working 60 hours a week, I guess. Like it's, it's a lot of work. Um, but you know, I'm not saving lives here, right? Like where uh, we're talking about running and talking about athletes and stuff. I'm, 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 I'm super fortunate to be able to do this, but, um, yeah, it's, I mean, and the challenge, the challenge this year is like, you know, where, so we're about to turn, tempo is about to turn three or tempo will turn three in December. Um, yeah, I mean, the last couple of years have all been about, covering the world of professional racing for the most part or, you know, telling people what's going on in London or what's going on in, in these other cities around the world. And this year, you know, I, all I can tell you about is what's happening in my study in Richmond. So <laughs> that's been a real, that's been a real hard pivot for us is like, okay, um, there's not much racing to talk about. We, we need to keep getting some content out there, start a podcast. Like I never had any desire to, to um, host a podcast because I didn't want it to be about me. And then it was like, hey, season one of the podcast went really well. What can we do for season two? Well, I know we can turn it into a video show. And it's like, oh, man, I never wanted to be on video. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm used to, like, creating the content. I don't want to be in the content. But mm. here we are, right? 2020, we adapt. We, you know, we've got to do what we've got to do. Dude, yeah, it's so good. It's so good. So so running things is the podcast. And, and as I've mentioned a couple of times, the, the quality is awesome. And it, it is, it's really good because there's, there's obviously a couple of, um, like on a world scale, I'm, I'm not sure what else is going on in the, in the world of running podcasts and stuff, but there's some great podcasts out there, but I haven't seen a lot of people make the move into, into video podcasts. And man, like maybe, maybe there are, maybe there are a few, 
I'm definitely trying to use the uh, sort of make that move and um, you're going to have to forgive me as I find my feet because you're my Michael Jordan at the moment that I'm using as a guide <laughs> to, to making it look good. But um, but bro, no one go and look at mine and then look at yours because there's uh, I'm, I'm not quite there yet. I'm still shooting hoops in the backyard and you're, you're slam dunking from the free throw line. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, encourage people to go and check it out because you've got a bit of a range as well. Like uh, my... my well, my podcast is pretty much aimed at middle distance to distance runners, but relax running is, I think, in terms of a business, like what's most popular is actually the the preseason running training programs with footy clubs. But but what I like about what you're doing is you you seem to have a little bit of a range in terms of the athletes you're getting on. Like I saw, I can't remember her name, but I reckon you had a, spl- a sprinter on there the other day. Some chick, it was like Shari, Shari, Shakari Richardson, yeah, Shakari Richardson. Athlete. So, bro, you're gonna to have to forgive me because I reckon my knowledge of of running is is pretty limited. To if you mention an 800 meter runner, there's a good Donovan Brazier tick. Know him. Once we get to 15.35, actually, to be honest, I'm probably losing a little bit of track. There's so many new athletes coming out, but um, you don't have a bias towards distance or middle distance or anything. Are you just trying to cover the the sport of running from from long to short? Or yeah, I think so. I mean, like we we we. To be fair, we rarely do much in like the true sprint space. Like we, it's rare that we will, you know, write a feature on a hundred meter runner or something like that. Like we're more, I think just naturally we're more interested in like true distance running and marathoning and, you know, 10K and whatever. But, you know, like it goes back to that kind of our purpose. Our purpose is to try and grow the sport and try and, spotlight and showcase like some incredible athletes and most of those are australian athletes obviously given where we are so you know uh, i don't want to um not discriminate but like whether you're a a great up-and-coming marathoner or whether you're a great up-and-coming 800 meter runner or a hurdler or a steepler like that's great and we want to kind of showcase that and and hopefully help build up everybody's knowledge of who these people are right so that next time the com games are on tv or you're watching the track and field nationals next year or whatever you can start to like recognize a few of these names hopefully maybe you know um and Mm. like we've we've covered you know we covered jess hull before she signed a pro contract last year with nike i went I, i was in portland i drove down to eugene where she was studying at university of oregon and like created this cool feature on her and then I literally this morning interviewed her for our podcast talking about all these national records. And it's like, if, if, if we can feature someone on tempo who you might not know about yet, but we kind of expose you to them. And then in 12 months they're breaking records or they're Mm. winning national titles or whatever. Then like amazing. Bro. It's been so crazy watching her. Oh, and like, you know, the, I think the, the, one of the great things about Jess is she's, she's 23 she's about to turn 24 or something like that she is very much at the start of her career and um much like much like stewie or or maddie ramsden like we're we're going to be really fortunate and get to watch her and watch all these guys kind of develop and grow for the next 10 years and um they're exciting they're they're genuinely competitive on the world stage which is what what it takes to get an occasional fan into the sport like people who are more footy fans and more whatever fans, like to get them watching a bit of athletics, you're going to have to be globally relevant, I think. And so when people see Stewie or Jess, like actually mixing it up in these races around the world, like that's what's going to get people more interested and that's what's going to help hopefully grow the sport. 
Yeah, I was actually going to ask you this question because you said that it's it's been a funny year this year. Obviously, you're locked down in Richmond and um, from the TAN time trial to a couple of the random time trials that have been going around, there's still a couple of cool races that are taking place, aren't there? And um, some of the races, like to see Stewie and Jack Rayner bust around the you know the TAN in, in the time mm. that they did. And I saw you cover Jen Gregson's record lap at the TAN and... Um, it's it's been pretty exciting, but is there is there anyone in particular, man, that you're just you're, you're so excited to watch what the next couple of years hold? Like, obviously, probably we've just covered a couple of their names then, but to see, mate, I don't know how you felt, but when I saw Stewie, um, I couldn't believe it. I woke up the day after his three k, and I thought he's probably capable of running seven thirty something, like really low. Anyway, so I got up, I flicked open the results, I saw it was one in seven twenty six. I sort of scanned down the results. I was like, ah, oh, Stewie mustn't have run. And I sort of just, I was like, oh, have a look at who else ran. And I scanned down and saw Inga Britson. And I was like, no, wait, what the hell? Literally, because, bro, I, I used to train with Stewie when he was three foot seven with Rod Griffin up in Ballarat. And he always looked like a natural little mover. But if you had told me when he was 14, and I think a lot of people are in the same boat as me when they say this, that that bloke was going to run 728, I would have punched you in the head and called you a liar. <laughs> but, bro, I'm so happy to be proved wrong on this occasion because it's it's just been so exciting. I get I used to get little butterflies when I saw Mottram's race name was on a race internationally because I, I love the feeling of getting up and seeing how fast people run, especially now that I'm not competing. I don't get jealous as much as I just enjoy it. <laughs> but, um, but, bro, yeah, him and Jess have, have, have been unreal. Like, what, are, what about yourself? Yeah, like, I mean, I think uh, the, the obvious names, um, of course, and then... You know, Matt Ramsden is like is is you know he's obviously going to be be massive as well. I was, you know, a few months ago I was at a MTC training and I was just talking with um with their coach Nick and I was talking about Rambo and I don't know what I asked him whether I said like you know how do you you know is he sort of the next Stewie like is his progression going to be similar and Nick sort of said yeah. Rambo and I'm, I'm obviously I'm paraphrasing, but he was like, "Look, Rambo is probably a little bit more like Mottram than Stewie is in that Rambo's got a lot of mongrel in him, and you know, whereas Mottram, if you if you said to Mottram, you can't do this, you guarantee that he would do it. And um, Rambo's so a bit true. the same. And, and I think Nick was saying this was after I remember Rambo ran like a did he run a the 2K in 455 or something a few months yep. ago in Perth where he, like, he was just spitting out those pacemakers. Um, Nick said that pretty much as soon as Rambo crossed the line, he um, he sent a text to Nick and it just said, like, you said I couldn't run 456. Well, I ran 455 and I've got the video to prove it or something. <laughs> and Nick's like, mate, what are you, you know, why are you so angry? And he's like, well, you said I couldn't do it, and I did it. And it's like, no, that's great. Like, I'm happy for you. <laughs> um, but, like, that's – so, like, hearing stuff about that, about about Ramsden is really exciting because um, I met I met Rambo back in late 2018 up at Falls, and I, I knew nothing about him, absolutely nothing. Um, but I only spent, like, a day or so up there, and when I left, I was like, wow, this, this kid's amazing. Like, he's such a – like – genuine warm-hearted young guy and like I, I really enjoyed sort of getting to meet him and getting to know him so I've always had an interest in seeing how Matt Ramsden goes so I'm like I'm really excited that he's had a good year I think otherwise like and this is hard because I kind of do get attached to certain athletes but um I'm really interested to see how Morgan Mitchell goes in the 800 in an, an Olympic year like 
very courageous kind of move for her to go from you know the 400 to the 800 the 800 for australia is really competitive like there's a lot of depth there for the women so i'm interested to see how she goes i think like you know she's a class athlete she's she's been to like to the olympics before so i'm confident she'll get back there but um i'm always interested in that and then you know like i'm a marathon fan so i think like jack rayner has showed glimpses like his london last year was fantastic obviously new york didn't go well got injured this year but you know i think there's massive things ahead for jack and you know same as brett same as ali same as like a bunch of our marathoners so um i'm like i'm just excited by the state that australian athletics seems to be in like it, it feels like there is some genuinely exciting athletes and um yeah it's uh i i hope that the domestic season doesn't get completely cancelled because you know i want i want people to get out and see these athletes and i want to be able to shoot them and write about them and all that sort of stuff but um wait and see i guess yeah man it's uh it's funny that you mentioned the um just the depth that's around at the moment because i was i was chatting to ray boyd again about this on the podcast on monday and we're just saying i reckon so i I finished competing in 2013 and uh like I, I wasn't a world beater. My PB for 1500 was was 3:49, and and 8:10 was my best 3k time. And there was a couple of blokes that were like you had your Gregsons and yeah, I think um, your James Nipperus. I don't know if you know those. Mm-hmm. I, don't know, I don't know if you know Nipper, but um, he was running around 7:55. And at the time, that was that was pretty much the biggest time that was going around in Australia. Like I was in the race when he ran 7:56, and I was like far out. Like that was. That was incredible. And fast forward, that was 2010, that race. And fast forward 10 years, and, and just to see, like, yeah, the likes of Stewie, 728, and um, Big Rambo, I'm sure, would be mid-730s, hit a good one. And even Grego and Geordie Williams and Dave McNeil. And um, and that's only sort of like the, the, the 3K. But the 1500s, disgusting as well. Like, I'm, I'm so excited to watch this. Um, I don't know what you call it, but it's. I saw an article posted a little while ago. It was probably you who posted. It, I can't remember, <laughs> but it was. It was just talking about sort of Rambo, Stewie, and Greeks, and all chasing that fifteen hundred title. I thought, ah, oh, this is this is beautiful because there's no real rival, no real rivalries in Australian athletics. And I thought if you could start pumping something like this up before a big event, Com Games, Olympics, and people actually had something to tune in, tune in for, mate. As a fan, I started getting excited just reading the article. So I thought. The moment my wife starts asking questions about, oh, who do you think will win? That's when it starts to get really interesting because it's just not something that's really often talked about the the running world. Apart from, I think the last time I remember of the public talking about running was 2006 when Mottram was at the MCG. <laughs> yeah, I um, I've I've noticed it more and more like with Jess and Stewie this year that if I'm out on a run with somebody and like it's. Maybe it's just because they know that this is kind of what I do for a living, but people will start talking more about, oh, so the Diamond League is tomorrow, or hey, are you going to watch Chapter Guys 5K? Or, you know, like it feels like it's kind of starting to all come up a little bit more. So, um, you know, and, and I think like locally as well, there's a lot more people starting to talk about running, like whether it's from my perspective or your perspective or, you know, all these other podcasts or like all this kind of new media and whatever like everyone's kind of starting to pump the sport up and and i think that has to have an impact right like you can't go on social media and not see stuff about aussie runners now which is amazing and that creates more interest and creates conversation and it kind of snowballs from there so true i was even saying the other day like early on in the piece i had a i sat down with with jen gregson for a chat 
and um, and I was laughing because obviously she, like she's a super pretty girl, but she's got like a hundred and fifty thousand people follow her Instagram page, and I was saying to her, I was like, mate, like no runner has a hundred and fifty thousand Instagram, so I don't care if you're doing it because you're a, a glamour that you get the attention or what, but it's just so nice to see people just exposed to this world a little bit, and even it it is interesting. I'm a little bit like you. I'm not sure whether people know about these names because of the fact I'm sort of heavily involved and like a couple of people are a few degrees separated and they know about it, but I, I feel the same. Like a been a few people that I just would not expect to know the name Stuart McSwain who have gone, hey, have you watched the progress of this guy? And I go, hang on a sec, yes, but why have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really exciting. Man, I yeah, was going to say to you, oh, sorry to interrupt, go, bro. Like, and that's that's kind of without an Olympic year, right? And we know that the Olympic the Olympic cycle, every four years, it's, for a lot of people, it's the only track events they'll watch every four years, right? And um, if anything, I think it's probably great for us that, you know, there's an Olympic postponement because our athletes, our talented athletes are generally so young and it gives them another year to get closer. It's not like we have a bunch of aging athletes who are going to drop away in the next 12 months. We've got people like Jess and like Stewie and Rambo who are only going to get better in the next year. So hopefully when when Australian TV screens are tuned into the Olympics in 12 months, hopefully we're seeing the Aussies kind of, you know, being really competitive. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Man, I um I was meant to ask you this before, and I, I got I don't know if you have this same problem during podcasts, but you get sidetracked or excited about something that comes up in the conversation. What am I talking about? It's not just with this podcast that it happens to me; it's in every element of my life. But <laughs> I use the podcast as an excuse. You were you were speaking about the time you spent up at Falls Creek with Rambo, um, and just getting to know how much of a good bloke he was. And 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 one thing I love about this podcast is I think elite athletes in general, a lot of them have a reputation of being a bit cocky, a bit arrogant. And uh, I, I, I think, like, I'll, I'll hear people say to me, oh, I think such and such is a little bit arrogant, I think such and such is a bit cocky. But I reckon so much of the time that perspective's coming from, you'll see them down at the track and they're, you know, they're warming up for a big race or they're warming up for a 1500 and they're sort of, they're sort of in go mode, like they're in action mode, they're very focused on, on the task at hand and they're not feeling super smiley, not feeling super, super sociable. And because you sort of know their face, you expect maybe a little hello or whatever. But one of the things I love about this podcast is the opportunity to sit down with people away from the track and just talk and, and just, you know, realize that um, people who may have this reputation of being a little bit cocky, which, to be quite honest, even even if they were, I'm a fan of it. I don't mind a little bit of swagger. But to actually see the other side of the fence um, and, and just see them sit down, talk about their, um, you know, their, their fears, their trials, their, their struggles, their breakthroughs, uh, and just see the human side to them is, is really powerful. Like, is that something you've enjoyed through through running things, or have you noticed that at all? Yeah, totally. And, like, you know, I'm, like, I'm super, super fortunate and really privileged that I get to, you know, if I am at one of these meets, I'm, I'm on the track, right? I'm, like, right there. I'm in the arena. I'm so close to these athletes. So, I don't know, but, like, like yeah, I mean, you've got to remember that when these guys are running, whether it's um, whether it's a national championship or whether they're, <clears throat> I don't know, running along Elwood Beachfront, that's work. That's their job. They're at their job, you know, like, and they're, they're also going through all the same thoughts as us. They're running along thinking, geez, is my calf a bit tight today? Oh, I've got a session tomorrow. I can't get too fatigued. You know, like, it's work for them. They don't, they don't necessarily have the luxury of just like stopping and bowing to every Tom, Dick and Harry they see, right? Like they got shit to do. Um, and like, so I kind of, I kind of appreciate that perspective about them. And, um, 
I'm really lucky to have gotten to know like a bunch of the athletes. Like I, and I always make a point, like if I go down to like to a training session and, and again, um, MTC kind of let me come and go whenever, which I'm, I'm really thankful for, but I'm not, I'm not going there to catch up with Stewie and get a selfie with Jen. Like I show up when I, when I set up my gear, I do it away from the group. I speak when they speak to me. If, if they don't say hello to me, I don't go over and like get involved. I just stay out of the way, do my thing, take my photos, go home. Cause that's their job. Like I wouldn't show up to like someone else's job and like walk into the conference room and start like making noise and, you know, talking rubbish. Right. So, um, but then like, yeah, you do, you see these guys out of competition and, and I've been fortunate, um, you know, in other places around the world to catch up with, Brett and Jack after they've just run London Marathon or New York Marathon and go out for a beer with Sinead and like you get to see like it sounds so stupid to have to say it but they're exactly like us and they are as insecure as everybody else is they have the same like confidence issues that all of us have like they're just like everybody and um I I yeah, I'm probably a bit like you as well, like the the kind of the swagger or the confidence or that the you know arrogance or whatever you want to call it. Like, I don't mind that. I think you need that to compete at a high level, right? And like to get yourself up for something big. Like, when I'm shooting, if I'm shooting a race, I I talk myself. I'm I'm just a photographer. I'm nobody, right? But I talk <laughs> myself up into that as well. Like, yeah, I'll deliberately like if I'm standing there shooting, I don't know the five thousand meter final or um earlier this year shooting the u.s olympic trials marathon in atlanta like i'll talk myself up for a couple of days leading up like i'm the best shooter here i know the best spots i've done the research i know exactly what i'm going to get i work harder than anybody like you have to do that like if you want to perform and get the best out of yourself you've, you've got to get yourself in that headspace i think yeah, that's so awesome, man. It's so funny just talking to a photographer to hear about what goes on behind the scenes. But it's true, like you know, what I mean? yeah, bro, yeah. Especially, I feel like creatives in general have a have a reputation for for overthinking or or really maybe overthinking. Maybe it's the right word. Maybe it's the wrong word. But just you've got to have that attention to detail. So you have to be, I guess, hard on yourself to make sure you're you're dotting your eyes and crossing your t's to to get those best shots. But yeah, you don't see many of the people who are the best in the world at what they do going. Oh, I'm not sure if I can really do it today. It's just not my yeah, so it definitely has its place, and man, I'm not sure whether this is something you need to be embarrassed about admitting, but I'm such a Tony Robbins fan. Is he still Is he still cool? Has he ever been? He's pretty cool. <laughs> but bro, yeah. like just the, the listening to, I've got both his books on my shelf, and I pull them out fairly often um, just to have a flick through the, the stuff on mindset. And, and one thing I'm fascinated by is just that, that, that opportunity or that choice that we have to choose the perspective that we have to a situation, and... <clears throat> Like all things, like I'm, I'm sure some people are more naturally talented at it than others, but just the freedom that you have to be able to see things from a, you know, pardon the pun while we're speaking about photography, uh, to see things from that fresh perspective is is, is really powerful. But, um, man, I, I've, I've said an hour, I've got my eye on the clock, so I've only got a couple of minutes left, but I, I, I was keen to pick your brain about um, about what's going on the next couple of months. Like, what have you, I know it's, it's sort of, Victoria's a funny place at the moment. We don't know whether we're going to be in lockdown for much longer, whether we're going to be out and about. What's the what's the plans with with yourself with Tempo, in the in yeah. the old Wolverine family? It's a great question. Um, I think like like loosely over summer. I mean, I've had the goal for the last couple of years to to spend a block of time at Falls with with the guys. Um, 
whether that's two weeks, three weeks, a month, whatever, and just kind of because, you know, if we think about we all know obviously that Australia's best athletes go to falls every summer. There's like that's not a secret. We know that, we see it, and it's not just them, they're joined by hundreds of young amateur aspiring runners, but I still I still to this day don't think anybody has documented it well. And I it, this is I feel like maybe this is like believing in my own importance a little bit too much, but it's not the way I intend it. But like, I'm part of this group on Facebook, right? Which is called, I think it's called Australian Distance Running Nostalgia. And it's like, it's just these old boys, like these old guys and old women in their like 60s and 70s. And just randomly, like every couple of days, someone will throw up like a photo scan from like, 1934 and be like oh here's uh i don't know john smith training at sorrento and it's like holy crap like (laughs) someone one someone took these photos two you have them like and i get lost like i spend hours in this facebook group just like browsing all these old like amazing like content on running from you know the last 80 years and my like my only hope is that like with all this stuff that i'm creating or that anybody's creating that in 50 years time, like long after I'm gone, if someone can, you know, cause we always look at like, I don't know, let's say like Ron Clark's training or the guys that used to train down in the sand dunes at Portsea or when they used to run Fernie loops, you know, Fernie Creek loops have been run since, I don't know what, the fifties or whatever. And we're still doing them. Like, I hope that when, when, you know, Stewie's in the hall of fame or Jess Hull's in the hall of fame, that, in 50 years, people look back and they say, wow, look at these photos of Stuart McSwain training at Falls Creek taken by whomever. If that's me, amazing. Like, I see, like, that as kind of a responsibility to document and, like, archive the sport. So really long way to answer your question. I'm hoping to get to Falls to, to, to do that story justice and, like, spend a few weeks with the guys and just, like, shoot a bunch of running, a bunch of non-running, maybe do some podcasting, do some videos. Um, that's probably the main thing. And as well as that, like just kind of get some more exposure for some of the other groups. Like I've, I've been trying to organize to get over to South Australia and spend some time with the team tempo guys with Adam Diddick and his group. We tried to do that at the start of this year, but I was overseas. So I want to get over and spend a week or so with those guys. Um, yeah. And just, just get around. Obviously international travel is going to be kind of off the, off the menu for a little while so i'm going to use this opportunity to try and get to as many australian groups as i can and you know kind of show the rest of the country what what goes on in different cities around the place yeah awesome bro awesome man that was good thanks so much for coming on i um i knew i was looking forward to talking to you for for a reason i always love picking the brains of a of a creative person like yourself and and also i was saying to my wife i like when i first started this podcast i had a little segment with a good mate of mine we call him the guru and because um, just like you mentioned stats and facts and numbers of, of running and Matty Williams, the guru, just he knows the answer. And anyway, mate, he's a, he's a hard man to get on. So I keep putting in the request that he'll come back on the show. But I was telling Jesse a little bit about what you do and, and, you know, your love for running. She goes, oh, mate, like it's not a new guru, is it? So Matty Williams, if you're listening, <laughs> watch your back, brother, because uh, you've, you've got a challenger. But um, man, that was that was really fun. So, hey, thanks again and, and keep up the awesome work, man. Really, really loving your stuff. Right, awesome to be on, and uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, I'm not an elite runner, but hopefully, people still find the chat interesting.